I finally started saying, you know, Savannah, happiness is so fun and wonderful, but none of us have ever learned a thing about ourselves or the world or anybody else in times of happiness. This is Wisdom on Trial, impacting your life and law practice. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here today with uh, Mayan Downs in the offices of Gray Robinson. Thank you for taking the time to hang out. My pleasure. So uh, really where I, I want to start out with is a quote that I saw of a friend of yours in an article that said she is polished with punk <laughs> roots. Uh, the, the article referenced that when you went to law school, you had a pink streak in your hair. Is this true? or is It this... is completely. It was the 80s, baby. <laughs> um, it, it's true. I, uh, I worked for my father uh, between college and law school. He's a real estate developer. And um, my sister, I have two, but my sister who's um, got this kind of white blonde hair and these Swedish blue eyes, different coloring than I have, um, dyed her hair completely blue, the whole thing nice. for you know temporary period of time. And I said to my father, oh, have you seen Kathy's hair? It looks so great. I'd like to do that. And he said, feel free as long as you don't mind getting another job. So, oh, okay, message received. So when I started law school, I did have a little swath of hair and I learned how to you know, strip the color out of it and then to add fuchsia uh, hair dye, which is very time consuming. And I very quickly ran out of time to continue it. But yes, I had a bright pink swath of hair. Like I said, my defense is it was very 80s flock of seagulls. It was oh, just nice. a terrible time in this culture. It was an it awful was not time. A terrible no, time. no, it was saw, great I fun. Saw, I saw but. the flock of seagulls. <laughs> Twice in concert at the Volusia County Bandshell when I was exactly yes. where they belong. <laughs> <laughs> no big venue, but they right. they can still sing Iran as good as. Oh, anyone. that's great. Um, so yes, I don't know about the polish part, but uh, punk roots. I, I I will I'll cop to that every single time. I want to I want to talk a little bit about growing up. Uh, in Orlando because I, I know you went to Trinity Prep and I know I, your dad was a developer and I've read a little bit about that. It, it seems like uh, you were designed to be successful. Does that make sense? In other words... Uh, I would say I had a lot of wonderful good fortune um, that certainly, I, I mean, I, I think... You know, we all say it in all different ways, but, you know, success is always a collaborative, multi-party enterprise. Yes. And I just, I did have a lot of wonderful opportunities, many of which began appearing to be horrible setbacks. Let's talk about that, because I, you know, I, I, the longer you live, the more you realize setbacks are a reality. Um, they're unavoidable. No, they're they're but there's so much more. Yes. They're I, the little gifts that are and large gifts. I, I one of the things I love to do is speak to uh, young people, young lawyers and, and um, because uh, I don't I, I, I don't want to proselytize because, you know, all of us have very unique experiences and you know, the lessons we learn don't always translate, but some of the big picture lessons do. 
And I have several stories I talk about a lot, even though they're somewhat personal and I'm a, I'm a very private person. Not that you would know that from... Um, the jobs you've had, uh, yeah, the but, positions but I don't, you've had, <laughs> or, or just Twitter things account. I've done. My, yes, well, I'm always getting in trouble for, for tweeting. Famous people, um, they they like to tweet a lot. It, it, no, I've had shareholders say, you're the president of a large corporation, you shouldn't. I say, I know, I know, keep my mouth shut. No, we no, are going to run through some of your, I have it pulled up on my phone. Oh, literally, no. literally no. there are a few of your <laughs> tweets that they're wonderful step-offs for questions. So oh, I, perfect. I, well, that's why I did that. Yes. But anyway, I, I have, I, I talk a, a lot or with frequency about several really big setbacks that, that I had that at the time were just awful, just, I mean, almost defeating and seemingly so unfair, yes. so unwarranted. All the things we think when we're denied the path or the thing that we want and it and i tell those stories because it it is um stunning to me each and every time i think about it and talk about it how the awful setbacks were these amazing gifts mm. and they just were wrapped in a way that made you think they weren't gifts and they were extraordinary and changed the course of my life in an unforeseeable way that was all for the best. Well, my, my, one of my favorites is that uh, I went to work for my father right out of, uh, as I said earlier, right out of um, college. And um, I was running one of his companies and uh, we had these very pretty wooden steps, but you know, they kind of made noise. And I heard someone coming up the steps and I looked out the glass doors and it was a deputy sheriff and I didn't know exactly what a deputy sheriff is now I know in detail what a sheriff is uh, but I knew it was something important and I, I was pretty sure it wasn't anything good yes um, they're usually not coming to they're not, just check in it's like I visit. tell clients nobody ever comes in makes an appointment to see me to tell me a happy story ever not once uh, so this guy came in and he had this sheaf of papers and they were, it was a big fat pile of papers and he was struggling to keep them together. And then of course he came in and he asked if, uh, you know, if it was me and I said, yes. And he gave me these piece, this piece of paper and he had me sign. And, and then he said the magic words, which I now have on cocktail napkins at my house, you've been served. They're on cocktail, cocktail napkins. napkins. Yeah, because it's, it's nice. a, I, I like that That's phrase. It, it says a lot of different things in my life. So anyway, I, I knew it was awful. And so my little tiny company had been sued in a federal antitrust case in local federal court. Wow. I had a budget, this is 1983, I had a budget of $150 for legal services. We were a real estate company. We sold and bought and sold real estate, real estate brokers. So I would call a lawyer up sometimes and say, do I, I really have to have two witnesses? Can I have, you know? And I, uh, we hired a lawyer and my first bill was $5,687 in 1983. And I, I was devastated. The, the lawyer that we hired was wonderful. And uh, I got interested in her. Of course, the fact that she was a woman trial lawyer. Was and and the fact that it was someone of the 
caliber and the character of a Jackie Griffin. She was amazing. She was funny and smart and vocal. And she wasn't wearing one of those women's suits that looked like men's suits. And I was just dazzled by her. And then I got interested in the law. And I took an LSAT class and I took the LSAT and I went to law school. And I went to law school and it was, other than the birth of my children, just bar none, the most important amazing formative experience and it came from and i i always tell the people who work on our team never forget the times in your life when you got kicked in the teeth figuratively because that's what our clients feel like even the big ones even the powerful ones even ones with all sorts of resources they have been dragged unwittingly into a fight where they I, don't the know one the that rules. Typically, drags them unwittingly. Still, but even the pe- when you're a plaintiff, you yes. know the people have yes. been dragged into something yes. that 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 is awful for them, and they can't fight the fight directly. They have to fight through champions. That's our system. So anyway, um, getting sued and having that experience was awful in every way until it was the gift of my lifetime. And from that came my children, my career, my friends, uh, my extended family members, my opportunities to help, my opportunities to serve. I, I, it's just the, the benefits from that awful thing were extraordinary, unpredictable, and I couldn't have seen it. And then another one is um, that I got very sick in 2007, and I, I was in a coma for quite a while. I read about that. Yeah, it was awful. But you know what? It wasn't awful for me because I was unconscious. And the drugs I got were memory-destroying drugs. So I don't, you know, I don't, it wasn't awful. Well, it was awful for me when I woke up on a ventilator and tried to talk. But, uh, but, but all of that that my family and friends went through, um, was was awful for them. And of course, I still have some health impacts today from that, so it was awful for me. But when I learned what people had done for me and my family, I never, this always chokes me out. I just, I it just changed my life. And You know, I was active in the Florida bar, proud to be active on a slight level. But, you know, the president of the Florida bar, who I didn't really know, came down here with his family and sat with my family. And then for the next year, I would go to Miami, and someone would come up and say, our church, you know the Presbyterian church on Biscayne Bay? We, We prayed for you. Someone stood up and told us your story. And, you know, someone gave me a shawl that every member of the Board of Governors of the Florida Bar, mostly men, mostly, of course, white men. I mean, after all, just the Florida Bar. Each took stitches in that shawl and said a prayer for me and then passed it to the next person. They were just such extraordinary things. And we don't have time to tell you some, you know, a couple of weirdly supernatural things that happened. But that experience... It changed the way I get up every day. It, it convinced me to take some different leadership roles that I would never, ever have done. Uh, so again, a, a, a terrible setback that was transformative in a magical way, wow. a magical way. So when I talk to young people, I often say, 
you know, it's very hard when you lose something or you uh, something happens. But, you know, if you can just remind yourself that that great disappointment might just be the transformative element in your life you need and want, but it will be revealed over time. Uh, it might, might help you get through that disappointment a little bit more. Yeah, that's great. The way uh, I've heard it phrased is sometimes our setbacks are just a set up for what our future is going to be. I haven't heard that, but I love it. I love the play on set up and setback. Yes. Uh, plus, my daughter had a tough time uh, at the beginning of college. Ended up great, but oh, it was very tough, very tough. And she was out of state, and every Saturday night she would call me and she would cry. And, you know, when your children cry from the heart, it's like... N- nothing works. You know, yeah, it's nothing. nothing works, exactly. And, you know, I didn't know what to say, and I finally started saying, you know, Savannah... Happiness is so fun and wonderful, but none of us have ever learned a thing about ourselves or the world or anybody else in times of happiness, ever. Happiness is just happiness, and success is success. It's the failures. It's the disappointments. It's the brutal sadness. That's when you learn how to do better, who you are, what the world is. Uh, so that's another thing I think about a lot and 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 try to share. So uh, sorry I gave such what a long answer. I'm surprised you haven't it, hit me over the well, head with what, a baseball I, bat. What I really want to do is I really just want to stay here. I really do because <laughs> I I want to hear about the uh, supernatural things that occur. Uh, it's good to hear a story of humanity responding the way I want humanity to respond. Well, it's why we love those stories we see. The, you know, the dolphin that gives the pony a ride on its back, the people who pick up the, you know, dog on the side of the road, you know, all of those things where people make themselves vulnerable uh, to help someone else. So here's how this is so funny. The world's small. My assistant uh, sees on my calendar man downs podcast she's i need to tell you something about man downs i have a funny man down story and and i brought the emails and it's basically her daughter gets involved over some rescue dog named gizmo who needs uh, an emergency surgery and then i'm going to read this last text it says oh my god we made our goal because Mayan donated the remaining $422. I met Mayan about 10 years ago. She's the city attorney for Orlando. She used to be the president of the Florida Bar. I'm so happy. Response, holy shit, that's amazing. <laughs> well. <laughs> and and, and I, guess what, I guess what it tells me is not just that you were impacted personally, but it's affecting how you're living small things that are anonymous and but for the fact that you know we live in a very interconnected world i would not have seen that side that's true that i hope that wasn't um i don't know i i i love social media in so many ways because i i think the connection and the broadening of the world connection points and the and thus the making of the world smaller is also fascinating but the bragging and 
uh, you know, this was look all at private me. text messages. Oh, this good. I feel of, better. I feel was, better. This was, this was not, I, cause this I was don't, I'm, I'm happy to help. I'm thrilled to help. I'm, I'm fortunate to help. That story was very sweet. This little dog. Yes. And, and you, you see people and they're raising $10 and $11 and $29 and then they've got this goal. And I, I just, I, it called to me gizmo, whoever that sweet dog is. So tell me what breaks your heart. What like like when we when we go to call, I mean, a dog is one thing, and some people that's her. But if we went to the thing that if we were alone and there wasn't a microphone and it, it would break you, what what issue in the world breaks you? The failures of mine with my children, the failure to protect them. Um, I'll never stop wishing I had done some things differently. I don't. I mean, I'm sad about Gizmo the dog, uh, and we all are, especially because animals don't have the ability to, you know, pick themselves up by their bootstraps. But I don't, and there's certainly things in the world that sadden me, but I don't, um, what causes me dark or sad emotion more is... um, my own shortcomings. Oh, I, I can relate and, to that. Yeah, we all can and should, I guess. But and then I, I'm so, um, I am so regularly disappointed by people not, you know, owning up, not being more forthcoming, not um, saying things that are sometimes unpleasant that that that's so tell, tell me what you mean on that last part so i'm not trying to guess well i mean i can think of a lot of examples that it wouldn't be appropriate for me to say because they're confidential or they're on behalf of clients but um you know in our profession i am i am disturbed by circumstances when uh, I believe uh, lawyers are not um, acting to remove bad lawyers from the profession or doing something. Um, I, and, and, you know, you're not supposed to say anything bad ever about anything. And I, I struggle with that. I, I, the fight I have with myself every day is shut up, no, say something. <laughs> It's 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 interesting because you know in the medical malpractice world, we uh, sometimes talk about the code of silence almost amongst healthcare providers where they protect their own. But lawyers, frankly, are no better. I mean, we we are. I think I, I you're right in in many ways. I will say institutionally, I think the bar. I know the bar does a better job policing us, you and I, do. than than the. Department of Medicine. Yeah, it's not even close. Still, I just wrote, right before I came down here, I wrote a handwritten letter that I stapled all the way around and said personal confidential to a lawyer in this town that, you know, I don't have have personal knowledge, so I can't report that lawyer to the bar. Uh, But I've heard enough now that I wrote a letter and said, here's what I hear. I'm signing this. It's not anonymous. Um, you're hurting yourself and others. You need to do something about it. And I'm going to be looking for an opportunity to do so. Let's 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 take on 
the root if we can. Okay. And so, so when I think of, I can, I can spend all the time out on the tree, the fruit on the tree, the bad fruit too, you know what I'm saying? The bad fruit and and criticize it and all that on, on that. What do you think the, the deeper problems that lawyers have because you mix money, power, control, uh, some level of authority, all of that. What What do you believe, just having journeyed a former president of the Florida Bar dealing with how many lawyers? Well, it was 93,000 when I was president. Now it's about 117,000, I believe. So 93,000 when you're there, all the discipline issues. If, yeah. you, if you had to identify some of the root issues, what do you think some of the root issues are, the deeper issues? Well, I'm fascinated by this, and I, I, it's a subject that is of interest to me. And, of course, we always have to remember when we talk about human behavior, everything is a continuum. You know, I used to, my kids, when my kids were little, they would say, Mom, you lied. And I would say, just because I was factually wrong is not a lie. There's a my difference. My daughter just, she doesn't say you've lied. She says, you're a liar. And I said, oh, honey, nice. honey, I'm not really a liar. Yeah, I just, nice. I said we were going to get ice cream and we don't right. have enough time to get ice right. cream. Right, right. And lean forward so I can poke your eyes out. <laughs> so everything's a continuum. You know, so there's a little bit of bad behavior, and then there's worse, and then there's intentionality. So I think, you know, like any profession, we will have our share, hopefully a small share, of people who are really bad people and attracted to the profession because they can exercise what you just said, power, opportunity, control, all that. But that that's not who we're worried about because I'm sure in hairdressing world, there's some really bad people in medicine, in, and I know, and unfortunately, religious organizations, there are sure. a huge number of really bad people. Law enforcement is a place that attracts people who want to serve for all the right reasons and people who want to wield the weapon. I mean, that's just real life. Having given that caveat that, you know, everything is a continuum, um, what I'm disturbed by is, is really overarchingly two things. One is that people who are needy, who have a compelling, and I'm using that word compelling really significantly, a compelling need to be affirmed by others external, right? So we know already that picture doesn't work. Um, I talk about it as people who need external validation. Uh, It's a sinkhole they're filling up. You can't fill a sinkhole. I mean, you might be able to temporarily, but it's always because there's You're no bottom. You're never going to get enough never gonna, validation to right. fill that's right. a a hole that will just continue that doesn't to have get a bottom, deeper. right? Right. Yes. And so, like with my kids, we talk about with people. You know, there's internal and there's external, all that stuff. So, people who are needy um, have a hard time doing the hard work of being a lawyer. I think one of the very hardest things to do is to look your client in the eye and say, this isn't going well. Uh, your, your case is not as valuable as we thought. Or whatever the messaging is, yeah. it is hard for people who have a need for external validation to cut that validation off. And I don't think uh, they see it that way. And then when you put that needy person on the bench, oh, geez. which we do a lot, 
And I'm always mystified when I see a needy person who so wants to be loved on the bench. I think, what were you thinking? Because with every step you take, you're going to make half the people mad. I think it's like the lack of self-awareness. Most people are not aware how much they need external validation. And in particular, uh, older generations, older is relative, but like, like the current generation of millennials much seem to me much more self-aware of things like I agree I I completely agree with you it's funny because we in the legal world as you know there's a lot of oh you can't hire or retain millennials and I, I I feel completely differently about that I've got a bunch of millennials on my team but I, I think you're it's a lack of awareness and it's a lack of of the, I mean, it's this need and so when you have someone who's needy and not self-aware, they are not going to say the hard truths and they're not going to stand up and say, this lawyer is not competent, Uh, this judge is not competent. They're not going to do it. They can't, they need the validation so much it interferes with them. And then the second thing is, I just, I see lawyers see things they know are wrong and they they won't act and we have an obligation to act if we know something's wrong um so you know you when you ask about the roots of the profession i think our profession tends to attract some number of people who are validated by being a lawyer and just by being a lawyer and i think the people we talked about before the judges who have an uh, 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 an, an unnecessary need to please, that validation comes from being a judge, but they're not thinking about doing the job every day. So I don't know. And I regularly, I always say as a joke, I'll never win the Orange County Bar Professionalism Award. And that's not a criticism for all the amazing lawyers, including a couple of my former, per- three of my former partners wonderful lawyers that's and wonderful why you had people. to go to gray robinson i had to leave were, because i was next and i couldn't win i couldn't win and i will <laughs> never win the professionalism award because i can't tolerate certain things and i say it and you're not supposed to say it well let me, let me drill down there a little bit um uh i, I really think you're you're on to something that is important because i when i think of I'm thinking of my world, but it, it could apply to any world. When you're counseling a client, the client needs us. Like they need, they, they are desperate for honest uh, reason and trustworthy advice. They really are. And, and, I'm, and, and over time, I've almost kind of believe it's the most important thing we do. Like that moment where the oh, client doesn't I, know right or left so and they're right. looking at they're us. They're asking about the rules and their their stake in a game they cannot understand and is unclear to them. So so let's take someone like me, okay, who I would say, I'm needy, but but I'm also self aware. Now see, of, I wouldn't put you in that. I, but but I I like that. I like a happy client. I like a happy oh, a, a partner. But. If you were to help people move through that, 
okay? Like they're, they have this strong need for external validation. It doesn't mean they're disqualified from being a lawyer. What advice would you give them to how do you wrestle with that and then walk through it to a place where you're able to give honorable, trustworthy, reliable, dependable advice? I, it's it's almost like I got you to segue to the other thing I like to talk about, and that is, what is kindness? Is it kind for me to keep someone employed at this firm because I don't want to deal with the unpleasantness of terminating them when I know, from, from the moment I know it's not going to work? Is it kind of me not to immediately act? No, it's, the, it's unkindness, but it feels unpleasant in the moment. And, and you know, the, the example of the lawyer is the, how many cases have you been in? How many mediation rooms? How many conference rooms where you looked across the table at your opponent and that client or those clients, and you knew, even if you couldn't prove it, that the, the client opposite you is not getting good advice about the weaknesses of their case. You've had it happen yes. over and over and over again. I had it happen today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, we always have to remember, maybe we're not seeing the whole story. I mean, sure. you know, we can't be sure, but we see it enough to know. And I, I one of the things I talk to young lawyers about is one of the most painful things in the world really, in the moment, is to walk into a senior lawyer's office and say, look, I, I really need to know how I'm doing, or how is that assignment, or what can I do better? So it's, it's funny, because one of your partners, when I was a young lawyer, quick funny story of Jeff Kiner, mm-hmm. um, pre-spell check on emails, I sent an email out, and it had a typo on it. Right. I was, I'm the first lawyer in my family. I do not come from a, <laughs> like, I was so excited to be a lawyer. Yeah. I really was. And then, Good for you. And then in my Never first, lose that. And I, and, and I hope I don't. I hope I don't. And then Jeff Kiner calls me up to his office, and it's sitting in the chair, circled the typo. And he hands it to me, and he, he, he said, is, is this who you are? And and I it stuck what a, with me. What a classy way to say that. It, it was it was and and let, think about it. It's been twenty six years since then, and I can remember it like it was yesterday. But over time, you know, I I understand why receiving feedback and in particular asking for feedback. Oh, it's so scary because well, none of us want to hear it, but but it's that and it and some of these things weave together, right? So the horrible kick in the teeth disappointment you got turned out to be a gift, and the pain that we cause ourselves to have in this moment, walking in the office and getting you know, having to have the conversation, getting ready to have the conversation about termination or something unpleasant, or walking in a room and saying. Can you help me learn how to do better? So it's a momentary pain, which we all naturally want to put off, but the the gain, you know, is huge. 
What I do with my litigation lawyers about advising clients is say, this is the hardest thing in the world to, to look at a client and, and give them bad news about their case. But it, it, you are duty-bound at a molecular level to do it. And guess what? A lot of lawyers don't do it well. So what is the answer? The answer is you walk in my office and say, let me tell you a little about the client. Let me tell you about the dilemma. Here's the message I have to give them. And you say, help me craft a script that gets me through the sticky spots. And then by practicing it, ultimately it will become a part of who you are, just like the lack of a typo yes. became a part of who you are because someone shined a light on it. And I just, I think, and I hate to be one of those, you know, those old people who like are shaking their fists saying, hey, you kids get off of my lawn. But I think one of the downsides of, of, of social media is everyone is taking such care to portray themselves as, you know, error-free, trouble-free, worry-free, you know, uh, graying hair free, whatever it is. And really, in a way, wouldn't the world be a better place if once a week we all walked in the room and said, hey, let me tell you what I fucked up this week. Yes. Yes. I really uh, did a bad thing. I didn't mean to and all. And hey, guys, how can, how can I, anybody have any advice? How can I get out of it? I mean, instead of giving ourselves plaques and giving ourselves you know, awards, even when some of us in the room clapping know that the person who just got that award is bad, you know, it'd be nice if we could flip it. Because self-awareness, as we started on this path, is, is, is a painful but necessary truth with huge upside. And, and, and I, so that area of self-awareness, I think you and I share a similar habit because I read somewhere that you have a counselor uh, or have at some point. Yeah, therapy, I, oh, it's huge. I, I, see, I see a counselor. I always encourage people to huge. see a counselor. And I think I think if when I look at that issue of the need for external validation and how it can lead to just a lot of darkness. I mean, it really can, covering up and, and all, oh, all kinds yeah. of stuff. But yeah. when I, I found for me... Having, uh, I, I once heard someone say it's uh, pay for a friend, um, but having a, a trained person whose only agenda is really to help me um, see the broken, wretched pieces of myself um, and uh, see a path to... And love them and yes. don't kick yourself about them. The only thing you should ever kick yourself about is once you see it, did you fail to act in at least some way? That's all. Only 50% do I fail to act when I see it. <laughs> I, and I really do struggle with loving... I, 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 Yourself? I, 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 sure. I can love... I, I, love the, I love the good pieces of me. We woke. That's easy. Everybody likes dessert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right right but but if the, you write if you write a book by the way that'd be a great a great a great book title everybody, everybody loves likes dessert, dessert but yeah you know. but you know the, the and we i think many of us struggle with loving the bad parts but you know the bad parts are just the disappointment that led to the gift yes i mean the the bad parts are the things that keep 
keep us from being a mannequin in a store window. And they're, they're just as important in the path of how you got here, the failures. And again, what do we learn about ourselves in happy times with no failures? Nothing. We're just consuming. So that's a perfect segue into the law, which I love, and I know you do too. And uh, I, I want to I start, because I know you lead teams of lawyers, I want to circle back to the millennials issue. Because um, I have some folks working for me that are you yeah. would hire in a second if you could. They're just, they are smart. They have vision and I want to keep them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to see them blossom into whatever it is. I also want to, if I'm not supposed to keep them, I want to develop them and have them go to whatever they are. What insights would you have uh, either for millennials that would be helpful for their career paths? So let's start with there. If you were talking to a millennial and they had the good fortune to be mentored by man downs, what, <laughs> what would you be speaking? Well, some of them are upstairs. If you want to ask him, <laughs> I I, I um, fixed dinner for my dear friend Tim Serio last night, and I invited some of my um, younger lawyers to come hang out with him. And um, it, Tim said, "You know, the last time we did this, the most entertaining part of the evening was listening to man yell at all of you." <laughs> And they said, it's always with love, and we always learn something. Um, Well, first of all, I would say to a millennial, just be aware of your choices. No, you don't have to make as much money as some people think you should. But don't think you can live like it. I mean, we have to make choices. So if I'm going to stay home with my kids and not, you know, be a, a, a productive lawyer at some economic level... I, I, I'm not going to be able to afford the same vacation. Nothing wrong with either one. Just see it and own it. So, you know, you hear people criticize millennials for wanting more than they're willing to give. I, that's just not my experience. My experience is they want what they're doing to be intentional and meaningful to them. And I say, oh, great idea. How many people do we know run around saying, oh, it's so miserable to be a lawyer. I hate it and all. And I just have no patience for it. Because I always want to say, hey, you know what? We've got a bunch of openings in public works at the city of Orlando. And you can get good benefits. And you can be on a trash truck. And you can help pick up the trash. And sometimes you'll cut your leg. But by the way, we pay decently. And you'll have great health insurance. You know, so shut the fuck up. (laughs) I mean, uh, well, and, and even beyond just those jobs, as as I, I remember when I was thinking of leaving the practice of law, and Judge Dalton told me, he said, "Listen, you 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 got plenty of things you can do. You don't need to practice law. Yeah, you want to go into business. You've got your law degree will help you. You want to go into ministry. Exactly, you, you, it will help you. You want to go into public service. It will help you." So true, which is, you know, but but on the millennials, I think they want their paths to be intentional. They want to think about it. They don't want to just fall into, oh, I graduated from law school, so now I interview with a big firm, and now I'm working for blah, blah, blah. They, they want it to be intentional, and they should, and uh, they want it to be meaningful. What I, I have a bunch of millennials, and, I, you know, we, we don't take every case. We just don't. I never, I've always been fortunate enough not to have to. And we take 
cases that are interesting and different and we believe on the front end the cause is just or if not we're going to charge them more. <laughs> not the <laughs> hourly rate. The hourly rate is just. <laughs> yeah. Some part of the case is just. Yes. And, and you know, I, I always say, you know, the most wonderful thing all of us can do in our lives is fully engage. Fully engage. And if you don't think the practice of law is fun with the stuff we're doing, you're just not paying attention. And if it's not for you, awesome but either be in or get out yes. and and i the, the millennials i think again they want to be intentional they want to be deliberate they want what they're doing to be meaningful and i think they want the kind of value they want a proper affirmation of their value on a team now some law firms will say oh you gotta say thank you every five minutes and tell them how awesome they are i don't do that what i do is you know i've always paid for a concierge service for my team i pay it out of my own pocket all right let's let's this and, is I, I clearly am not going to publish this part. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. I actually had my partner, yeah. Andrew Kanoff, who worked at Gray Robinson yeah. when he was a, a younger lawyer. That And he is the managing partner of our firm. And I said, what do you want to ask Man Downs? And he said, I know she does certain things that increases the quality of life for their lawyers. Ask her about that. Tell, tell me about this concierge service. So we laugh about it. We were laughing about it last night, but I, I love it. But its origin was, look, I, I, this is hard work. You got to work on predictable hours. I get all that. I love each and every one of you. I hired each and every one of you. I think we pay you fairly. But I recognize that over and above that, there may be opportunities for me to make your life a little better. So I got a group of them that I have over, like last night, that these are the guys because they're the ones who like smoking cigars i don't but they do so occasionally i have them over i fix them dinner we sit on the deck and they smoke cigars i have fancy expensive cigars for them i got a cutter all that some of my um young women lawyers i take on a trip periodically just for us to have fun together the guys don't want to do that it's not gender based it's just what it is but really, I think the biggest thing is this concierge service. So I pay for a wonderful person to do whatever. One of my young lawyers, he is so adorable, super millennial. He has a giant Yeti cooler. He, he texts this young woman I pay his grocery, well, he and his wife's grocery list. She goes and buys the groceries, and she comes and gets the key to his truck, puts the groceries in the Yeti cooler, then locks the truck and goes back and gives it to him. So when he drives home, the groceries are in there cool in a cooler. You know, some of the team members and it's staff too, it's not just lawyers, you know, get their prescriptions picked up. They like I said, groceries, they're dry cleaning. Um, can you return this to Bloomingdale's for me? I need uh, a I, let me uh, let me get real and practical. <laughs> yeah. What are we talking what are we talking what about does that cost for a year me? for for a year? I don't know. I don't ballpark. care. Totally ballpark. Uh, maybe five thousand dollars. Okay. For my whole team. Wow. And they are so. Can I get this person's <laughs> number, please? Yeah. I tell people all the time why everybody doesn't have somebody helping them with the stuff. Like you know, just the things. 
my big thing, the thing that got me down this path was my car. And I have two cars. I have this old car that I love and treat like a pet. And then I've just got whatever I drive. Well, who has the time to go drop it off because it's the windshield wipers broken or and then you got to go pick like who has that kind of time um and that's how i started this so now you know if my car needs servicing i text my wonderful person and she knows i don't want to have anything to do with it that is she you she comes and gets the car she and then and i say don't ever bring one of my cars back that isn't filled up with gas um, just makes life easier. So yes, that's what I do for my guys. Plus we have, um, they design uh, two things a year that I have nothing to do with except that I pay for. And so we've done what do you a mean? New party. Sometimes, the, they're probably just wildly sucking up. The last two times they've said, we like coming to your house the best. And so, you know, I cook for them and alcohol. Look, and, I gotta say this. I, I was reading you throw these <laughs> dinner parties and I was oh, reading I love to people that were coming, and I'm like, what does one have to do to go to a dinner party at Man <laughs> Down's house? That's Let me know no, when you're my available. Number one, my number one question is, <laughs> what is your favorite thing to cook, and how do I get to come? <laughs>